The fourth thread that we emphasize here at ACAC is sharing. To unpack what we mean by that, I want to read two passages from God's Word. At the end of the Gospel according to Matthew, in chapter 28, verse 19, we read these words from Christ. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then back in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, the 7th chapter, the ninth verse, in the middle of a story about some beggars, we read these words. They said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. Sharing is about living big rather than playing small. Let me explain why I use those terms. If you're a basketball fan, you have probably seen the fella I'm about to describe. The big man, six foot nine, six foot ten or taller, who has the destructive habit of always bringing the ball down to his chest level after securing a rebound or when he's surrounded by defenders. And whenever a big man brings the ball down to chest level, he nullifies his natural height advantage. Because once the ball's at chest level, he effectively becomes no taller than a 5 foot 10 inch guard who can reach in and quickly steal the ball out of his hands. Big men who bring the ball down like that frustrate coaches. And coaches have a term for big men who engage in that habit. They call it playing small. Well, sometimes God's church plays small. Despite being spirit-equipped and empowered, we remain silent while society looks for answers in all the wrong places. Yes, it's true that people and our communities need education, health care, jobs, housing, social services, and security, and ACAC is involved in providing those things for our neighbors. But none of those good things unshackle the soul. What people need most is to be liberated from sin, and only the church has the message of liberation. But if we keep that message to ourselves rather than share it, we nullify our spiritual advantage, and we become nothing more than a service provider with a religious tent, social security with a God tent, and we play small. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talked about walking worthy of our calling. And a walk worthy of our calling, one that conforms to what God is up to in us, is characterized by sharing. God's blessings are never meant for us alone. Every good thing he sends our way is to be forwarded. It's not to be left in our spiritual inbox until it becomes virtually invisible. Remember, God is love. That's how he has chosen to describe himself. It's his nature to bless as many people as possible and as deeply as possible. 
Consequently, God wants us to contribute to the forward momentum of blessing in others and to come to a fuller measure of blessing ourselves. Sharing is indispensable for spiritual maturity and health because it's only in sharing God's blessings that we fully possess them. Let me explain that. If you gave me an iPad as a gift, I would immediately own it. But I wouldn't fully possess it until I learned to use all of the various apps available on it. In similar fashion, we can never fully know the blessings of God by simply receiving them. We must increase our understanding by sharing them and witnessing their effect upon others. That enables us to live big. Once again, the primary blessing we're to share, both in person and as a community of faith, is our faith itself, the gospel, the message of Scripture. That gospel, more than the supporting commodities of money and time and energy, That gospel is the foundation for God's work. The noted psychoanalyst Carl Jung, who believed in God but didn't know Jesus, counseled a man who had been in therapy for six months with no progress whatsoever. Finally, Jung said, Friend, I can't do any more for you. What you need is God. Well, how do I find God? The man asked. I don't know, said Jung. But I suspect if you find a group of people that believe in God passionately and spend time with them, you'll find God. I would add, only if they're living big. Only if they're willing to share. And that's hardly a given. Because culture without and fears within often tempt us to neglect personal sharing of our faith. We become spiritually intimidated by the harsh criticisms of godless culture. Our current culture sees religious faith as a private matter. It sees truth as a relative matter that is strictly defined on a personal level. Any conviction of absolute truth is seen as arrogance or bigotry, or fanaticism. And none of us wants to wear those labels. No one wants to be known that way. But our fear will recede if we'll remember this. We're called to tell the stories of God. We're not called to change people's hearts. Only God can do that. Witness to unbelievers whenever we find it recorded in the Gospels, and in Acts, didn't hinge upon theological debate. That occurred when Jesus or the apostles were dealing with religious opponents. But witness to lost humanity in the world generally focused upon the grand narrative, the great story of what God is up to in the world and what God is up to in individual lives. You see, only the Spirit can lead someone to change their mind. 
But our stories can influence people to change the questions. Our friends and acquaintances speak naturally of their life experiences. Why can't we speak naturally of ours? Why can't we say to a friend, I used to seek escape in addictions till I heard God's truth. Why can't we say things like, the other day at church I learned that broken people tend to hold on to the very things that keep them broken. I needed to hear that. Or why can't we say things like, this week I read a passage that helped me turn the corner on my anger. Or, I walked away from church years ago, but I found my way back, and it's really made a difference. You can tell your stories of what God is doing in you, and you can always invite a friend to services. Surveys in America show that the majority of people would accept an invitation to attend a worship service if the invitation was extended by a friend or respected co-worker, neighbor, or acquaintance. Finally, living big also involves the entire church sharing at an intentional, intercultural level. Jesus calls his church to pray, to plan, to initiate and support cross-cultural mission until every ethnic group has heard his truth. And while we aren't all called to the front lines of this endeavor as sent-out evangelists, what we used to call missionaries, we're all called to support the endeavor and to be a part of the endeavor by a lifestyle of prayer, encouragement, support, and giving. Remember, God's truth wasn't first revealed in the United States. We know Jesus because someone shared the gospel outside their culture and outside their language. Spiritually, believers in the United States are the recipients of foreign aid. When political leaders in other countries receive foreign aid, but keep it from their people because of their desire for private gain, we fault them for betraying their trust, and rightfully so. But if we who have received foreign aid in regards to the bread of life withhold it from people who are starving for it, then we're playing small and we're betraying a sacred trust. That's why at ACAC we're appropriately proud to be part of a denomination with missionary as its middle name. God raised up the Christian and Missionary Alliance to take the gospel to all people groups. We have been doing that with excellence and with God's anointing for over 100 years. And that is living big. Second Kings, from which I read a passage at the beginning of this teaching, tells the story of a siege on the city of Samaria. That siege cut the residents off from food and supplies. Four men within the city, four men with leprosy, four men who knew that they would die if they did nothing, went out to surrender to the enemy and ask for food. 
They said to one another, if we go out to the enemy camp and they kill us, well, we're going to die anyhow. Better to die quickly than slowly by starvation. But they might just take compassion and mercy upon us and feed us. So they went out to the enemy camp, but when they arrived, they found the camp deserted and the enemy gone. God had caused the enemy to flee during the night. Food and provisions lay everywhere. They quickly stuffed themselves. And after doing so, they were tempted to remain silent. But they realized that silence in a day of good news would not be right. And their subsequent sharing offers a portrait of our fourth thread, living big in Christian mission. Sharing is simply one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread.